Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. You know what? If you're interested in living life at its best, you're at the right place because that's what this is all about. You know what? Jesus came so we could have an abundant life. That means the same quality of life that he had. And, uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take the quality of life he had over the quality of life uh, I've had any day of the week. You know, we're getting down. This is the, this is the last week in May. So, so we're getting down to some of the nuts and bolts of this idea of how the Bible teaches us to find and experience divine life. And that's, that's what quality of life is all about. You know, uh, is am I experiencing the life of God or am I experiencing something less? And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people respond to that and say, well, well, nobody's really fully experiencing the life of God. Well, no, we won't actually fully until we are completely and totally transformed. But here's the great thing is, is when you know the life of God is available to you, when you really believe that, you're going to get up every day and you're going to have hope. I was thinking this morning just about hope. I don't, I don't know why this suddenly flooded my inner man this morning. Uh, and, and, you know, hope is the confident expectation of good. It's the confident expectation of a, of a good outcome. And, um, but, you know, one of the things that, that came to me while I was just kind of pondering this this morning is, is in or, a good outcome really is to experience righteousness. God's always moving us toward righteousness. And if we misunderstand what righteousness is, or if we don't want righteousness, or if we have a, you know, a legalistic religious concept of righteousness, then, then we're going to run from it. We're not going to want righteousness because it's not going not to be very appealing. But you, know, you stop and think the basic concept of righteousness, if you, were to, if you were to take all of the different things that are implied by the word righteousness, one of the things that you would come to understand is that the overall concept of righteousness is as it should be. Not as, not as it should be in the obligatory sense, but as, as a child of God, how should my health be? As a, as a person who has the life of God, how should my peace be? As a person who, you know, is born again and I got the spirit of God living inside me, the grace of God working in my heart, how should my happiness be? How should my relationships be? And again, not should in the sense of an obligatory factor, but should in light of this. In other words, uh, how thirsty should you be when you got all the water you can drink? How hungry should you be when you have all the good food that you eat? Well, so the concept is, well, then, then you should be, always be satisfied because all of those resources is there. And so righteousness, while righteousness has an incredibly vast meaning, um, at the end of the day, every concept or definition of righteousness comes into 
how, how, how should it be in light of the fact that I'm a son of God? How should it be in light of the fact that the grace of God works in my heart? How should it be in light of the fact that the Holy Spirit is always offering le leadership and guidance? You know, uh, how confused should I be since God did give me an owner's manual and a blueprint for how to, how to manage my life? So, so, you know, I was just thinking about this whole thing about hope. And in hope, many times we have a false hope. And a false hope is when we are hoping for and, and expecting God to bring us an outcome that is not in harmony with who he is. It's not as it should be based on the fact that he's righteous. And so when we're hoping for something that is, that, that, that is not promised to us by the word of God, that, that, can, be, that can be a false hope. Now, yeah, you might be able to make an event come to pass. You might be able to get a particular job and you think, oh, hope is fulfilled. No, hope is only fulfilled when it produces in you the peace and the joy and all of these things that it takes to have to have a great life. I, I probably haven't done a great job of explaining that because like I say, this was just something just before coming out. I was just meditating and pondering on the hope that is in me. You know, there's there's a concept that that. Um, I think we, I think we just miss in so many ways. You know, Jesus said, you know, uh, uh, knock and the door will be opened. You know, seek and you shall find, ask and shall be given, knock and the door will be opened. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting about that, of course, in that, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, tenses of, of, the, of the verb is like knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. And it's not telling you to do that because God is resistant uh, it's, it's talking about this attitude of hope that, that is always expectant and never stops seeking, never stops expecting, never stops moving forward. But here's, a, here's an interesting concept uh, that's buried within that, but you find it in other scriptures. One of the things about seeking and finding is you find what you're seeking. And so if you're not seeking fulfillment based on walking with God, then uh, you're going to find a carnal fulfillment that's going to be destructive to your life. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about righteousness of the heart, because for us, everything that's real in our life starts from the heart, a belief, an experience of the heart. And if we don't experience it there, then really it's, it's, uh, it's just going to be behavioral modification. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the things that people always misunderstood is the concept where God said, be holy as I am holy. Now, <clears throat> the best way to understand the word holy is to understand what is probably the opposite of holy. And what's the opposite of holy is common. God was uncommon among all the gods, that, uh, the pagan gods that the people of the world worshipped. And everything, every approach that God had in working with man was uncommon. It was unlike anything anybody had ever seen before. God was a God of love. He, he really wasn't a God of wrath. You know, we have people telling us that under the Old Testament, God was a God of wrath. Well, no, God hasn't changed. If God has changed, then he's not God. Uh, our, we, we, we misinterpret and misunderstand so many things. Uh, a lot of it just because that's what religion has handed down to us century after century after century after century. God was a God of love. God was a God who said, I'm always going to be here. And, and if you'll connect with me, 
from your heart, you'll experience me. I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. You know, in the pagan religions, you brought a sacrifice to your God for, for a few reasons. Number one is you were trying to appease him. You were, you, you were trying to protect yourself because those wrathful gods were always, always seeking punishment. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you could escape punishment. Secondly, you want, you know, you want it to find a way to butter up to them and get on, get on their good side. And then you, you want it to get them to draw near to you. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying God doesn't have wrath. God does have wrath, but he is not wrathful in nature. And that's, that's kind of the difference. Now, so when a, when a believer brought a sacrifice to our God, the creator, the heavenly father, it was never to try to get him to come to you. It, it's called a draw near. The offering was a, the sacrifice was a draw near. And what we know is when you give something of value to someone and you're doing it with the intention of connecting to them, with the intention of expressing love to them, what happens is, is the effect occurs in our heart in that we draw near to him and he's always there. And, and, you know, one of the great celebrations in the Old Testament was, the, was when you would bring a peace offering because a peace offering was where you said, you know, you know what? I brought my sin offering and God was there. He didn't reject me and he didn't kill me and he didn't look for some way to, to beat me down and, and all that kind of stuff. He was there. His word was good. His promise of being there was good. So he was totally uncommon. Uh, so we are to be uncommon in the same way that God was uncommon. Why? God wants us to be like him, not just in our deeds, but in our quality of life. You see, we are built to enjoy life to its fullest. And in order to enjoy, enjoy life to its fullest, we have to have peace in our heart. And the way we have peace in our heart is when we trust God. You know, Romans 5 says, therefore, having been made righteous by faith, we have peace with God and we have access to grace uh, uh, through faith. And, and so there's, a, there's this whole concept that says, you know, knowing uh, that, that, that I can have faith righteousness, knowing that I can trust God. Uh, and remember, faith is based on love. You have to know that God loves you in order to trust him. So when you know that God loves you and you trust him, then, then you follow his ways, not because of some legalistic uh, commandment, but you follow his ways because you know everything that God tells you to do, he tells you to do for your benefit, not for his benefit. He, and this is another thing that makes him uncommon, is that he does everything in his relationship to mankind so that life works for us. So we experience his goodness. So we experience his love. And God wants that to happen in our lives. And so righteousness, see, we tend to think of righteousness as this strict, obeying a strict moral standard, never having a flaw and all kinds of stuff. No, that's really not so much what righteousness is, is really all about. It is about, uh, you know, morality, ethics, uh, behavior, but uh, that it's not actually righteousness if it's not faith righteousness. See, the only righteousness that's acceptable to God is, is faith righteousness. And so 
And so that's why righteousness has to start from the heart. If it doesn't start from your heart, then, then all of your behavior is going to be based on some flawed concept of, of religious legalism, some performance-based idea, and you're always going to be, be trying to keep score about whether or not you're being righteous, righteous or not, and your faith, your ability to trust God when you pray or trust God when you're in a bind or trust God to commune with you and speak to you, all that's going to be based then on your uh, uh, on your on your performance, because you got a checklist of this is what righteousness is. No, no, it's really not. If righteousness is not in your heart, then no matter how good your behavior is, it's not really righteousness. Uh, you know, it's really interesting, and I, I won't. I may go into this next week. I'm not sure, but you know, uh, uh, the Book of Romans is one of the most complicated books of the Bible. And, and so very misunderstood. And from the book of Romans, people get this idea that there's no place in the new covenant believer's life for the commandments of God. And because of all the times that there are comments that are made that are seemingly negative about the law. Now, in the, in the Greek language, you have just what we have in the English language. You have the definite article, the. And when the word the is there, it's talking about something specific. So in the Greek language, when it says the law, it's talking about the law of Moses. It's talking about the law that came from the mouth of God that, that it, included all of his commandments, which really would be better interpreted or translated as prescriptions. In other words, Moses brought us all the prescriptions for how to have a great marriage, how to raise our kids, how to have financial uh, freedom, how to have political uh, fairness and justice and all, all of these kinds of things. But, uh, and so, but if the, if the definite article is not there, it's not saying the law, it's saying law. In the Greek language, anytime you don't have a definite article, it's talking about a realm. It's not talking about something specific, it's talking about a realm. And so when you talk about the realm of law, you're talking about legalism. You're talking about, it doesn't matter if it's the law of Moses or if it's, uh, if it's the, the Hammurabi Code or, or what law it is, uh, it is, it is a code that a performance whereby you're trying to measure up or, or, or basically become righteous. So here's the deal. Everywhere that it talks negatively about the law, there's no definite article. It's not talking about the law of Moses. It's talking about the realm of law. It's talking about legalism. It's talking about trying to live by code uh, and that becomes your righteousness. Now, faith righteousness is not where we just, uh, we just say, okay, I believe I'm righteous. Now I'm going to live like hell. And, and, but, but as long as I believe I'm righteous, every, my life's going to work out. Everything's good. That's, that, that's not what it's talking about. Faith righteousness is where what you believe in your heart manifests in what the Bible calls the grace of God. You know, the grace of God is only accessed by faith. You know, I'll hear people say, you know, Jesus is grace. Well, no, he's not. Uh, uh, grace is grace. Uh, people confuse grace and mercy. Grace is a power that works in us. But according to the definition, it is a power that works from our heart. It makes us able. Able to do what? Able to be righteous. It gives us the capacity. The capacity for what? The capacity to live righteous. And grace 
and righteousness and faith cannot be separated. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the, that the life of God reigns through righteousness. That's not talking about the righteousness that you earn, because in the context, it goes into, it goes into faith, righteousness, and grace. And the reason the life of God reigns in our life through righteousness is because when we believe the truth about who we are in Jesus, what he's done for us at the cross, what God has provided for us, when we believe that we really are righteous, then, then the grace of God manifests in us, make us able to, to live righteous. And it's not about walking around and trying to observe a code. It's not trying to obey a list of rules. It's about the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. I hunger and thirst to be who who I should be if I'm really, if I'm a son of God. I want to be like my father. I want to be like Jesus. And so our journey with God is supposed to start by developing righteousness in our heart based on believing in our heart that God has in fact raised Jesus from the dead according to the scriptures. In other words, According to everything the scripture says, he's conquered sin, he's conquered death, he's conquered hell, he's conquered the devil, conquered all these things. He's been raised up in newness of life. He now has eternal life, resurrection life, whatever you want to call it. And he shares that with us. And so the Bible says that, that we believe in our hearts unto, and that word unto, it would be unto, into, and toward righteousness, toward being able to be, having the grace, the capacity to be righteous, the capacity to be as we would be, you know, having, having all this power. Let me, let me just mention this. You know, listen, we're going into some pretty complicated stuff here. When you get into these concepts of righteousness, man, I am telling you, this gets complicated. But uh, you, you know what? It's a complication you need to understand. More people struggle over the issue of righteousness. You know, people that are supposedly seeking God, more people stumble over the issue of righteousness than any other doctrine. And the real truth is because of this stumbling over righteousness, we never discover what's really ours, why it's ours. We never have faith in what Jesus did in making us righteous. Uh, you know, there's the people, like I said earlier, who just, who just like, okay, I believe I'm righteousness. I'm righteous. And then they live a compromised life. Well, their conscience condemns them. They can't receive from God. They don't, you know, those are the people that never live in the miraculous. Those are the people that, that really in the end, usually end up backsliding. You sometimes end up totally denying the Lord. And so, so you know, I, I don't want to be like that person who's just saying, okay, I, I, I believe I'm righteous. Uh, and, but then I'm going to live anyway. Well, I want to power work. I want to be like the Lord Jesus in my character, in my nature, in the way that I treat people. And I want, you, I want to say this. Righteousness in our behavior is manifest more because of our intention to walk in love, as God defines it, than it is because we're trying to be righteous. You know, the person that's trying to be righteous is just, is just always, always messing up. Just always, always, always messing up. So you know what? Be sure and check out my series on finding divine life because I'm telling you, it's going to take you way farther into this 
then we can actually go in, in these short programs. But, you know, I'm giving you plenty. You can dive in and search it out for yourself. But if you want some help with that and making that journey, be sure and check out my series, Finding Divine Life. So righteousness is being like God, or let me put it this way, is harmonizing with God in every area of our life. That, that's really what it is. And so I can't call God a liar and be in harmony with him. I've got to be in harmony with what he has said, what he has done. I've got to be in harmony uh, with who he says he is, my belief about who he says he is. And more than any place else, I see that in the life, the teaching, the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If I don't harmonize with God about Jesus, then I am not in harmony with God. I am denying Jesus. In other words, if I believe that Jesus is love, but the God of the Old Testament is wrath, I, I, I'm, I, I don't, then I don't really believe what Jesus came to show me about God. I, don't I either don't believe who Jesus is or I don't believe he's accurately representing God. If I don't believe by looking at the life of Jesus that you know, he healed every person that came to him and believed, and if I don't accept that this represents the fact that God will heal every person who comes to him and believes in their heart, uh, then really I'm, I'm not in harmony with who God says he is. I'm not in harmony with his character and nature. If I don't look at Jesus and, you know, man, I mean, just look, look at the, you know, the tax collector that he forgave, you know, the woman taken in adultery that he forgave, the woman at the well, you know, you go down this list of people that had all of these moral issues and, and Jesus not only forgave them, but accepted them and loved them. If I don't believe God the Father is that way, then I don't, I'm not in harmony with God. I got to bring my beliefs in harmony with God. And all of that is consummated when Jesus was raised from the dead, where God says, I love you so much. I am sending my only son. And really, I think son is the only English word that we could understand who Jesus is in the Trinity. I don't know that that's even an accurate way of understanding, but it's as close as we can come. I'm going to send my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I am going to let him become your sin and go through all the things that you would have had to face if you had died in those sins. I'm going to make, he, he's going to pay this, he's going to pay all of this price for you. And he's going, he's going to put an end to you having to reap what you have sown in your sinful heart, your sinful behavior, your sinful treatment of other people. This is how much I love you. This is the value that I have for you. And not only is he doing all this through his resurrection, he has conquered it and, and, and finished the work and you can share in it right now. See, if I don't believe that God the Father is saying, according to the scripture, you can participate in resurrected life right now, that I'm not in, I'm not in harmony with God. So I'm not walking in righteousness. My heart is not righteousness if I don't believe that. If I don't believe it, then that affects my behavior. That affects the way I think. That affects everything that happens in my life. So when we come to Jesus, what was supposed to happen, and sadly it didn't, you know, we should have been taught about what happens through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, uh, I've got an incredible series that I'm telling you, I've got it. I've got I don't even know how many great testimonies from of people who were believers, but they never knew what Jesus actually accomplished and what happened from the cross to the throne. And I, I, I want to 
I want my faith to be in what Jesus consummated from the cross to the throne, the ultimate expression of God's love, the ultimate place of meeting and communing with God and seeing him as he is totally, you know, totally paid the price, totally fought the battle, totally won the battle and completely and fully shares his spoils of victory with me. And if that's not how I'm seeing God, then I'm not, I'm not harmonized with God in my beliefs. And so to whatever degree I'm not harmonized, then, then basically I am not, I can't be as I should be if I don't believe the truth about God and believe the truth about what God has done in me. So I want to harmonize my life with God. I want, remember Jesus said, you hang all of the law, all of the commandments on love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, love your neighbors, yourself. So I want to harmonize with God and I, and I want to have value for him. I want to love God just like he loves me. I want to love others like God loves me. And I want to, like, and I want to love myself like, like, like he loves me. So, so I, want, I want to have righteousness. And see, here's something, and this is such a paradox. Righteousness is not a static state like all things of the heart. It's always, some, it's always something, it's a path we're walking. It's a way of life that we're, uh, that we're, that, that we're proceeding forward in. And uh, so am I going to fall short? <laughs> Absolutely. But falling short, doesn't mean I just settle for and uh, stop pursuing. Uh, I want to have my health to be the way it should be in light of the fact that Jesus conquered death and hell. To conquer death, he had to conquer cancer. He had to conquer migraines. He had to conquer sinus infections. He had to conquer headaches. He had to, he had to conquer everything that brings death, everything that destroys quality of life. And if he's raised from the dead, I want I want it my life to be as it should be if I'm living in and sharing the life that he has as the resurrected Lord. I want to share in the peace and the joy and the happiness and the provision. I want to share in that because my, in my heart, I embrace this as my reality. Now, here's one of the most incredible thing about believing something in your heart. Your heart is your seat of identity. And many of you have heard me say this for the last at least 30 years. One of the ways you know you believe something in your heart is when it changes your sense of self. It, it changes your self, your self-worth, but it changes your sense of identity. Who am I? And see, when communing with Jesus, and, and communion is where two people come together and share in common what only one of them actually owns. So when we come to Jesus and in our heart, we harmonize with him and we harmonize with what he has accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. That is what it means to believe in our hearts under righteousness. I am sharing with, with him. Therefore, I'm harmonizing with everything that he has in this, in this resurrected life. And the grace of God can only make me able to experience that which I believe. 
You know, there, there, there are these people out there that think, okay, grace is just something that because you're saved, it floats down from heaven. No, it's, grace only works by faith. And faith is not faith in grace. Faith is faith in Jesus and what he has accomplished. And you believe that in your heart. So what starts happening when in our heart we believe the truth about the Lord Jesus, honestly, we get to where it changes how we see ourselves. We don't just see him as raised from the dead. We see ourselves as raised from the dead. We don't just see him as being a conqueror. We see ourselves as being a conqueror. We can't separate his resurrection from our own. Listen, I'm out of time. Be sure and be here next week. We're going to keep rolling in this thing. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.